0: Here on the Christine Upshurst Show, we explore ways to get into that vibration of change with experts in the fields of consciousness, psychology, spirituality, health, healing, and science. Are you ready to step into your vibration of change? Hello, everybody. Welcome. So grateful you joined us here today. If you're joining us live here in the Seattle area, you're probably listening on 1150 AM KKNW. Uh, You might be listening anywhere around the world on Transformation Talk Radio, Or somewhere after the fact on some of the, I don't know, it's like 90 different places this um, show ends up, including on christineupchurch.com. But wherever and whenever you're you're listening from, you're going to be grateful you joined us. But before I tell you who our VIP guest is, I want to say hello to Mr. Benny Mathers, who does his magic with all the technology, so you can hear these wonderful conversations. Good morning, ba- 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 Batman. Batman? Ba-
1: I want to go with Batman. I knew Benny you were going to say Batman. <laughs> I like Batman. I think you were going to try it with that one.
0: We've already had a really silly start to our day. <laughs> yes. I mean, you, you asked me the, a, a very, a question with a very obvious uh. answer. How do you pronounce the guest name? And you, <laughs> <laughs> on a dare
1: mispronounced
0: then, it when you said hello to her
1: yeah I did well the thing is is like I there was no really dare I'll do it anyways just because I think a personality like mine kind of shines through a little bit just on the kind of like a
2: little mini icebreaker you like to tease yeah I yes. do just a little bit I don't go too deep with them uh, but I was able to you know kind of smooth out but uh knowing me though like Benny or you know other names too it gets mistaken but uh-huh. you gotta just roll with it uh-huh. it's okay yeah but well, yes
0: I mispronounced your name, but so that's we're, okay. we're, you know, we're even now. Now, if our guest mispronounces my name, <laughs> we're all set. And I'm really excited about our guest yes, today. Yes, let's bring oh her my on. my goodness. Yep, yep, yep. I'm talking about Janine Roth. Now, if you haven't read her books, her name is probably very familiar because you've probably seen it on the New York Times bestseller list many, many, many times. Um, she is the author of 10 books, including the just-released This Messy, Magnificent Life, Um, And she has got New York Times bestsellers, When Food is Love, Lost and Found, and Women, Food, and God, as well as The Craggy Hole in My Heart and The Cat Who Fixed It. She's a workshop facilitator who has reached thousands and thousands over the past 30 years in her groundbreaking workshops and retreats. She's appeared on numerous national shows, including The Oprah Winfrey Show, 2020, The Today Show, Good Morning America, and The View. She lives in California with Charms of Hummingbirds, Her Husband Matt, and Izzy the Fabulous Eating Disordered Dog, which we have to hear more about. I am so grateful to have the author of This Messy, Magnificent Life, Janine Roth here. Janine, welcome.
1: Oh, thank you. Thank you so much. Glad to be here.
0: You know, I'm always curious if somebody has had many, many successful books, you know, what inspires a person to write the next? And I know that your new book is somewhat different. Uh, what inspired you to, to go here as opposed to, like, just leaving it where you were at and continuing with all the, uh, the retreats?
1: Um, what inspires me to write is writing itself. That's ah. one thing. It's sort of a multi-pronged answer there. I think okay. there are a couple of things. One is that the process itself of writing, which is a way, at least for me, that I know what I know that I don't realize I know before I started writing about it. So oh, I it's love it. To spiral into answers and more questions and a kind of aliveness and wonder that comes alive when I start the process of writing. It's mm-hmm. a big don't know there. Usually I start every book with a question. Uh and uh, so that's part of it, and when we start talking about the book, I'll tell you about that in relationship to this book, but it's only because I want to know something that I don't know, and writing is the way that I discover that, Mm -hmm. and so for me, it's the process of writing that I love.
0: And do you believe that if we ask a question and explore it in one way or another, and you say you do it through writing, do you think that we ultimately can get some sort of an answer?
1: I think we get many different kinds of answers. I don't think there's one answer to a question. Uh I think answers can come on many levels. For instance, you can get (coughs) some guidance about what the next step is. Mm
2: -hmm. It might
1: not be the ultimate answer you're looking for but allowing yourself to be curious and open about a question just it sort of opens the door to whatever wants to come in whatever guidance there is uh-huh. and i think there's a lot of guidance that each of us could tap into could access that we're not quite aware of because we think we should already know the answers we judge ourselves for not knowing the answers we think uh-huh. we should be there already We judge ourselves for not being there already. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of get it now quick or get it yesterday. How Uh, come you're still struggling with this? Right. That doesn't allow us to be open.
0: So I know you talk a lot about self-judgment in one way or another. Um, How how does that interfere with us moving forward in in expansive and joyful ways?
1: Yeah. Beautiful question. Um, I think it is the number one factor in shutting down any kind of change it's the at least how i see it and how i've been taught
2: uh-huh.
1: um, you know we each have what's called a super ego or inner critic inner parent whatever you want to call it by the time we're four years old it's part of the development of of any ego we have to learn not to throw food on the wall we have to learn not to bite and hit people uh-huh. we have to learn how to go to Friends, houses Uh you know we have to learn all that stuff and the way we learn it is by internalizing authority and that's very helpful when we're younger what starts happening is that that becomes a protective mechanism so to keep us from risking from any kind of uh change from doing anything but the status quo Uh and so when we when we start getting on the edge of what we've known what we've experienced which is what change actually is, going to that edge and a little bit behind and a little beyond it, Uh Um, that mechanism, I call it the crazy ant in the attic now, Uh comes in and says, "Uh uh-oh, danger, you won't be loved, you're not worth it. I mean, it will use anything it can, and it's usually harsh and mean judgments, which Mm -hmm. I have found out both from listening to myself and the way I talk to myself, which is shocking but also doing this with hundreds and hundreds and actually thousands and thousands of people and asking them to write down judgments they've made within the first half an hour of a retreat, uh-huh. for instance. Right. And they have so many judgments, and the way they talk to themselves is in such a harsh and mean and abusive voice, and a voice in which they wouldn't talk to anybody else. Yes, and...
0: I- I've I've actually um, done exercises over the years of just listening to myself. Sometimes just first thing in the morning, and I'm shocked the kind of um, the self-critical, you know, direction and redirection and admonishing, and it's it's kind of shocking what goes through my head sometimes.
1: Yeah, it is. It's shocking, and it, it's shocking actually. Yes, yeah. that's why it's good to recognize it, to recognize that recognize name it Uh oh i've got a voice in my head that's going on usually 24 7 i mean except in very deep sleep right or if i knock myself out in Uh some way distracting myself or drinking or on the internet or like watching cute animal videos on youtube (laughs) um you know does it for me yeah um but it's going on most of the time, and if you name it, and then you actually write down the things it's telling you,
2: mm-hmm. but
1: you write it down in the you in the third person, you shouldn't do that one more time. I can't believe you dare to believe that change is possible. Mm-hmm. Everybody will be shocked. Yeah. And then you'll be able to start disengaging from it and seeing that that voice and you are not the same. But until you name it, and recognize that you believe that you and it are exactly the same.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Right. Well, you know, I, I think about um, the self-judgment associated with going beyond the status quo, because we humans are tribal in nature. You know, it once upon a time, if we didn't fit in in one way or another, we might not survive. We might get banished from right. the tribe. That's so, right. So how do we get beyond that ingrained, physiological, evolutionary need to be accepted by others and then step further into um, that that challenge and change?
1: By having a lot of compassion for ourselves, by understanding that going along with the status quo is what we were taught, Mm -hmm. by listening and telling the truth in terms of what we actually want, And by putting ourselves around people and in situations in which that which we want, that wasn't correct English, you know, that that we want Uh is encouraged and supported and modeled, even though it is not in the status quo. Mm -hmm. Because there is no change if we stay within the status quo. And Mm -hmm. most of us are longing for something that we can hardly name. Yeah. We know that something bigger is possible. We know it. We, we can feel this promise of ourselves, just of ourselves, mm, that yeah, we're capable that. of such a bigger life and we're capable of being in touch with something that goes beyond the the small things on which we've come to rely, not that those things are bad. We're just not sure... How to access them Mm -hmm. or where to go for them, or that it's important that we put ourselves in situations and around people. And it can just be reading books Uh at the beginning that really support that in ourselves.
0: That's great. We have to go to a quick break, but stay tuned for lots more with Janine Roth. The vibration of change.
3: how to survive male-dominated fields with grace and authenticity, and reach the top without ever once giving up on who you are. Courage to be Seen host Sherry Clark explores the awesome power of your entire self. Check out her website, CourageToBeSeen.com, and listen to the first Tuesday of the month at 11 a.m. Pacific with host Sherry Clark. You have the courage
0: to be seen. See you later. I'm Christine Upchurch, and this is a Stellar Reflections Minute. For centuries, spiritual traditions have talked about how humans have an energy field, or aura, surrounding them. Although skeptical scientists refuted this for decades, science is now beginning to catch up with spirituality. Scientists can actually measure light emanating from living beings, so they can measure the human aura, which in scientific terms is known as the biofield. Many medical practitioners around the world use an instrument to evaluate a patient's biofield for the purpose of diagnosing illness. They understand that imbalanced or insufficient light in a person's energy field indicates a physical or emotional problem. The good news? There are ways to balance and increase your light, resulting in greater well-being. For more information, please check out StellarReflections.com or call 425-999-9836. That's 425-999-9836. Welcome back to the Christine F. Show here on KKNW and Transformation Talk Radio. You know, Janine, um, I'm fascinated with your own personal process and what you teach to others. Now, I know that um, Women, Food, and, and God was an international sensation. It was on the New York Times best selling list for, I don't know, six months, at least six months. Mm-hmm. Um, this book, however, is different, and, and yet there are connections. How does it relate, your new book?
1: With Women, with Food, and God, well, I'll, I'll just jump to the new book. I For myself, having had such a um, painful, hell-realm history with food and having climbed out of that and actually resolved that in a way, my relationship with food still undergoes refinement and changes, but mm-hmm. it's not a cause of suffering anymore for me. I use certain ways of being with myself, certain tools, and um, I realized before I wrote this book that I was still living with some kind of low-level anxiety and discontent despite everything I knew, and I mm-hmm. wanted to see if, it, it wasn't as conscious as this sounds, because I didn't even realize I had been doing this till near the end of the book, but the question that I started writing the book with was is it possible to live daily with a sense of spaciousness and ease and acceptance with some kind of flow rather than this ongoing low level self-judgment discontent and anxiety mm-hmm. and to break the trance of worthlessness to break the yes. trance of discontent because I was finding myself still um, becoming, I should say, or actually having that be in the background of, of daily life, and I just didn't want to do it anymore. And I didn't, and I wanted to stop fixing myself. I've been in therapy for decades, uh-huh. and I have been doing rigorous spiritual practice for decades as well, and. I was noticing, okay, it's not integrating into my daily life. Uh-huh. I, 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 Let's see, is it possible to integrate that into my daily life? So, so that's so how I started.
0: The, the, the fixing ourselves, that's really big. It's big in pop culture. It's even big in some of the consciousness community. Um, and people are often trying to improve themselves. What's wrong with that, and how does that get in our way?
1: You know, what I discovered was that there was no fixing mm. of the things that I thought needed to be fixed, that I believed, I really, really, really believed this, that there, when I started therapy and also when I started medicating, that um, there was going to come a time where it was just going to be clear selling, peace forever, mm-hmm. freedom forever, a uh, uh, sort of constant state of it, uh-huh. meaning that the things that I thought needed to be fixed in me, my, um, uh, well, the, 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 the way I catastrophize things, um, the fact that I have, I often fall into um, what I call the archetype of the little match girl, the person who feels like she doesn't belong, that uh-huh. love is for everybody else and right. not for her, this feeling of worthlessness. The, you know, just a whole... I, you know, I, everybody has from three to five themes, as far as I can say. They're the top tunes of what you get what, tr- what you get triggered by and what you then feel about yourself. And okay. I had my own. Uh, and I thought there would come a time where I would no longer be feeling those things. They mm-hmm. would be healed. They would be fixed. Right. What I realized was that that's impossible. There's never... Ever, ever going to come a time where there's going to be everlasting peace. Mm -hmm. What there is, though, is a way to be with those things, the little match girl, the anxiety, the catastrophizing, Mm -hmm. the worthlessness. When they come up, there is actually a way to hold them, meet them, welcome them, be with them. That doesn't require fixing or getting rid of. Much more relaxing. Mm -hmm. Much more doable. Much more um, livable. Just sorry. Um, so let me let me play
0: devil's advocate here for a minute. Yeah. Why on. Why should we want to embrace, allow, and and give that portion of a, ourselves a voice?
1: Because it's there anyway. It's not like you can cut it out. Mm-hmm. Forget that. That's a myth that we've been taught. That's a lie that we've been told. It doesn't happen like that. It's never happens like that. Even with food, you know, when people say, and I see this all the time, I see there is no there there
2: mm-hmm. with
1: food. People say, well, when I lose 5 pounds, when I lose 10 pounds, when I lose 30 pounds, then I'll be there, then I'll relax. Then they get there. And this happens with money, too, Mm -hmm. because I found this out by, you know, interviewing a lot of financial advisors. Um, People raise the bar. Uh There is no getting there. People lose five or ten pounds and then say to me, I would die to be as thin as I was five years ago when I would have died to have been thinner. Uh So unless we start now practicing to let ourselves be who we are and have what we have, and you know what? This doesn't preclude understanding that there are some objective mm-hmm. things right. that you know we would like to change. It doesn't. It doesn't preclude acting in the outside world. It's not like okay, we'll all accept myself and then I'll just lay around on the couch eating, you know, bonbons and never being motivated to mm-hmm. do anything. That's what people fear they will feel. Like I had a retreat student who just only saw the negative in mm-hmm. things, that's yeah. all, and because she only saw the negative, she was always trying to fix herself, change things, uh-huh. make herself better, and we just asked her to take on a practice of noticing five good things every day, uh-huh. so I'm not talking about something that's hard to do here, and she was like, no, you know, I have to. I need more therapy, she had already had a lot of therapy. That needed her attention, uh-huh. not that needed her judgment, but that needed her attention.
0: So do you think sometimes we um, use self-judgment, that, that inner critic, in order to avoid dealing with some things that are coming up for us?
1: Yes, I think, I think that's a great question. I think what happens is that we might feel a little scared mm-hmm. or vulnerable or open. We might not know um, what to do next, what will happen next. You know, I, I, I was talking to some people last night about this. What, what happens with food and weight, for instance, is that people start losing weight. And, and I wrote about this in this messy Magnificent Life in the chapter on lasting weight loss. And then they start feeling exposed uh-huh. or they start feeling vulnerable. Right. And rather than just take a breath, take a moment, okay, let's look, let's see what this is associated with, what's going on here, one person said to me, wrote to me, and then what happens is that I start eating and I start gaining weight again mm-hmm. so that I don't feel exposed, but also so that I will have losing weight to look forward to and tell myself, although it's a lie, that I will be happy when I get there.
0: Wow, because otherwise you have to face that you're not unhappy. Right. When you get there, you're still not happy.
1: That's right, that it didn't fix it, that it's deeper, and it's not that complicated here. Uh You know, sometimes people listen to me and they say, oh, it sounds really complicated. Yes, it's really much easier to believe in the lie Uh That when you lose weight or when you get the perfect house or when you have the perfect job or when you find the perfect partner, Uh you will, when you get the perfect sweater, you will be happy. It's so much easier to believe that. Uh But people already know that's not true.
2: Right. They
1: know that's not true because everybody has gotten something they thought was going to do it. Right. Even if it was to lose five pounds, Uh that didn't do it. Yeah. Yeah. And then it's just, okay, what's my belief here about myself, that I'm not whole, that I'm incomplete, that something's wrong with me, that, that you start going down into your core belief uh-huh. about being alive, what you believe you deserve to have. Right. If you let yourself have what you already have, and most people don't do that. Uh-huh. They constantly take it away from themselves.
0: Yeah, yeah, and... That's fascinating, the the self-sabotage to avoid dealing with the core issues. We have to go to another quick break, but um, stay tuned for lots more with Janine Roth. This is Peggy Snow, practitioner at Stellar Reflections with a Stellar Reflections Minute. So many people these days are trying to find ways to relieve their stress. What happens to our breathing when we're feeling overwhelmed and stress? When we tune in, we realize that we're either holding our breath or taking very shallow breath. To signal the body that all is well, which most of the time it is, sometimes all that is needed is a nice deep breath to break the cycle. First exhale to get all the stale air out by engaging the abdominal muscles and blowing gently. Next take a nice full breath in, feeling it fill your body all the way down to your hips. Release fully and enjoy the freedom of movement. Notice how your body feels. Do you feel refreshed? Calmness is only a breath away. This has been a Stellar Reflections Minute. For more information about what we offer at Stellar Reflections, visit us at StellarReflections.com or call 425-999-9836. That's 425-999-9836. Calling all
3: moms. It's time to awaken your vibrant, intuitive, and loving self in every area of your life. Join host Debbie Pokornik as she shares thoughts, stories, and tools to help you stand in your power at work, home, and play. Listen to Vibrant Powerful Moms, helping everyday women create extraordinary lives every Monday at 3.30 p.m. Pacific, 6.30 Eastern. For more information about Debbie, visit VibrantPowerfulMoms.com. Is traditional medicine not working for you? Do you still feel as if your health isn't 100%? Here at the Holistic Medical Center, Dr. Nushin Darvish and the qualified staff look through the dimensions of wellness and start a healing plan prioritized to your needs. Our physicians assess the whole you until complete health is achieved. Get the help you need by visiting drdarvish.com or call 425-451-0404.
0: The vibration of change. Welcome back to the Christine Uptert Show here on KKNW and Transformation Talk Radio. I'm so enjoying my conversation today with Janine Roth. She is a New York Times bestselling author, multiple times, multiple books, and you probably recognize the title, Women, Food, and God. And her latest book is This Messy, Magnificent Life, A Field Guide. Okay, Janine, so I think that many of us want to have a neat and tidy life in a variety of ways. Is that possible?
1: (laughs) Well, given that we are in a human body and we're living here on the earth plane, which regardless of current political issues and winds is challenging because these bodies are fragile, they're Mm -hmm. vulnerable, they get sick, they get into accidents, people we love get sick, they die. There is no way. It's ne- it, and that's what the book is, is in a, in a, about on some level. It's about understanding that what we call the messiness of our lives is itself the doorway ah.
2: to the magnificence
1: of our lives. It's not somewhere else. It's not when we get rid of it. It's actually using what we already have, what's in front of us every single day right. as portals. And what love that. we want most.
0: I love that. Say that one more time because this is really profound.
1: It it's about using the so called messiness of our lives, not trying to get rid of it, not trying to have a higher version of an ideal life that we think will someday be possible, but letting ourselves have the life we have now with all its challenges and using those challenges, that messiness, as a portal yes. to the magnificence or to that, that, that feeling of thriving and of a big life that we all want.
0: I love that. Mm-hmm. So, Janine, you talk about how women face something different in our culture than men associated with all this. Um, in terms of them stepping into their greatness. Right. What is that?
1: Well, it's the fact of having a woman's body Uh that um, is, in our culture, um, objectifying and often harassed and misused. And it's about what something I realized in writing this book, and this was before the Me Too movement and Time's Up movement. Uh Uh-huh. Um, I realized that I had taken it for granted that having a woman's body came along with being, this is going to sound much stronger than, I mean, mauled in some way,
2: Mm -hmm. being
1: pinched, being grabbed. Yeah. Of what happened? is is that you put it around yourself you, it's a six foot piece of string mm-hmm. you put around yourself in a circle and so, you close the ends of it
0: so beyond the edges of your body then
1: yeah yeah so that there's space between you and it uh-huh. and close the ends really sorry. My husband was supposed to take care of the dog. That's okay. And did not. Well, we've already talked about your dog
2: yeah. you know, yes. in okay. the intro, well, let's so talk we know, about we my know dog your dog's there. Second.
1: Okay. My dog is definitely, you know, very loud. Good. My husband has gotten it. Um, yes. Knowing where you end and your dog begins, that would be a really good thing. <laughs> There's probably a lot less space between you know, the, the
0: string and, and, and the dog.
1: I, I, mean, I would say. Yeah, but, yeah. you know, back to the red string. <laughs> when you're sitting in a circle and um, with the string around you for the space. So, so you sit, and I do this with my retreat students all the time, and I practiced this for quite a long time, till I understood how important it was
2: uh-huh.
1: to be able to feel like I... Hook up space. I was allowed, this is one of the touchstones in the book, uh-huh. to stand in your own two shoes. Right. And that means come out of your mind and into your body. Feel your feet on the floor. Feel your hands if you're sitting down. Feel your butt in the chair. Just come into this body. Most of us live in our minds. Mm-hmm. And because we don't live in our bodies, many tributary, many sort of, results or you know happen from that or consequences one is that we don't defend it and by that i mean we don't say no Uh that's not okay with me we don't live here and so i mean on the simplest level using our senses seeing what we see hearing what we hear taking in the gorgeous that, that is available. It is challenging to have a human body, but it's also fabulous to have uh, a human body.
2: It is, yes. Yeah.
1: And there's a lot of joy that's available that we miss if, for instance, we're always living in our head, even seeing a sunset. Mm-hmm. You know, what the brain scientists say is that in order to really change the programming of our body or our brains, actually, we have to experience something consistently and deeply. We have to saturate ourselves in it, even 12 seconds a day, five times a day, 12 seconds for that one minute altogether of really taking in the good, something really, really, really good and letting yourself have it. You know, what I noticed in my years of working with food, and of course I'm still doing we, would, we do eating meditations at my retreat every day. Every uh-huh. single day we sit and eat together, and I work with people on their relationship with food, which really isn't about food. It's about their beliefs about deprivation and nourishment and pleasure and joy and Ooh, what's yes. enough. And if they've taken a whole lot of food, much more,
0: book you talk about um the fear associated with their that with that being the end of it and and not having more so it goes beyond deprivation it's 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 kind of like facing the end of something well
1: it's it's realizing you know in that piece it's called the last bite i was sitting at the table with a bowl of tomato soup uh and realizing i didn't want it to end and it was ending very quickly yes and uh I realized that every time something ends, there's a tiny little way that we have to face. oh, something has ended. Uh-huh. You know, things don't last forever. And that's very difficult for a lot of us. It was difficult it for me in that moment because um, it was like, okay, well, now what's as good is this bowl of coconut cream tomato soup. It was mm-hmm. delicious. Um, and, and so it's about that, too.
0: Interesting, yeah. interesting. So do women somehow use their bodies as an excuse for not showing up in their power in the world?
1: Um, <clears throat> well, I want to go back. What, one last sentence I want to say okay. about the tomato soup and then the women in power. Um, what I realized in eating that tomato soup and not wanting to stop was that, Jewels are scattered everywhere, Mm. but I'll never see them if I keep trying to eat them. And (laughs) by that I mean if I keep eating tomato soup when I'm not hungry for it anymore, when I've reached fullness, what starts happening is that I don't notice anything else except for how full I am.
0: Right, right. And there's different types of sustenance waiting around. Yes.
1: Right, but you just have to take that little risk. It's Uh that moment of stopping. Now about women in power, which is, you know, my new passion that I'm interested in because of this all of these you know, women women coming up movements that are happening and uh-huh. I've actually always been interested in this because my question to women <clears throat> for a long time has been if you stop binding wrapping and wrapping up your energy in the obsession with your body size, uh-huh. with weight, think of the energy that you would have that could transform you, your family, your community. It would be enough energy to light up a city. It's wow. yes. so much energy. Yes. And when a woman is judging her her weight, that dampens her power of course it does
0: absolutely yeah and i think back to um years when my children were younger and feeling uncomfortable in a bathing suit and i look at pictures of myself thinking i don't know why but you know i was and and having it sort of restrict some of my activity with them because i didn't want to be in a bathing suit that much exactly
1: that's exactly what i'm talking about yeah
0: sad but true We have to go to another quick break, but stay tuned. I'm Christine Upchurch, and this is a Stellar Reflections Minute. For centuries, spiritual traditions have talked about how humans have an energy field, or aura, surrounding them. Although skeptical scientists refuted this for decades, science is now beginning to catch up with spirituality. Scientists can actually measure light emanating from living beings, so they can measure the human aura which in scientific terms is known as the biofield. Many medical practitioners around the world use an instrument to evaluate a patient's biofield for the purpose of diagnosing illness. They understand that imbalanced or insufficient light in a person's energy field indicates a physical or emotional problem. The good news? There are ways to balance and increase your light, resulting in greater well-being. For more information, please check out StellarReflections.com or call 425-999-9836. That's 425-999-9836.
1: What is a brilliant culture and how do we create them? Why are they important? Claudette Rally has
0: created a breakthrough five-step process to help you align your culture with your business strategy for exceptional results. Looking for a culture that drives organizational excellence? Listen to Cultural Brilliance Radio, the second and fourth Friday of each month at 10 a.m. Pacific and 1 p.m. Eastern on Transformation Talk Radio. To learn more
1: or work with Claudette, visit culturalbrilliance.com. Are you willing to challenge everything you've been taught about life and death? Join Angie Corbett Kuyper on her hit show, Beyond Grief Radio, redefining loss and grief as Angie shares through choice, present moment awareness, and keeping an open mind that creating anything is possible, even in death. Tune in every Wednesday at 12 p.m. Pacific on TransformationTalkRadio.com. For more information or to listen to past shows,
2: visit AngieCorbettKuyper.com.
0: Have you been seeing numbers like That's StellarReflections.com. Welcome back. We're here on KKNW and Transformation Talk Radio, and you might be listening to the archives on ChristineUpChurch.com. You know, Janine, this hour is flying by, and before it ends, I want to make sure our listeners know how they can get in touch with you and find out what's going on with you.
1: Yes, yeah, great. Right. Um, well, one thing that I want people to know about right away is that I'm teaching a masterclass called Women, Weight, and Power, Releasing the Energy of Obsession. I'm teaching that in a few weeks. And the way that people can find out about that is to go to com. It's a free video masterclass with the purchase of a book. And Wonderful. so if they go to com. They'll find out all the information they need in order to register for that.
0: Okay, so it's G-E-N-E-E-N-R-O-T-H. Mm-hmm. So what was the the link to the book?
1: JanineRothBook.com. JanineRothBook.com. Right. Fabulous. Yeah.
0: And do you have online workshops? Do you have appearances in various cities? I have an online cities?
1: course. I have two online courses that people can do. Uh-huh. Um, and I have a retreat coming up. In May, in a couple of weeks, it has a few spaces left. It's a fabulous immersion into this work. People fly in from all over the world to do it. It's six days,
2: Uh and
1: it's, it's, mm, mm, you know, people's lives are never the same once they do it, because Mm -hmm. they get a glimpse, actually more than a glimpse, an extended period of feeling of immersion and saturation in what you and I have been talking about, that, peacefulness, the spaciousness that's possible to have in the middle of your daily life. Mm,
0: yes, and that ease, it, 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 that's so essential for enjoying life and allowing change to occur. Um, right. so is this and, just and for women? I just want to make sure. Is this? Yes, it is.
1: Uh-huh. Um, but uh, all that information would be on my website, JanineRoth.com.
0: Fabulous. G-E-N-E-N-R-O-T-H.com. Right. Um, wonderful. Now, I um, <laughs> You, you talk about how you personally are a meditation failure. What do you mean by that?
1: <laughs> what I meant by that was that <clears throat> um, despite my many, many years of meditating, first of all, I didn't ever really love meditating. And uh-huh. some people really love it. Right. I have students, retreat students, who love meditation. It was never a love for me, uh-huh. but but I did it anyway because I felt like it was going to get me somewhere. I <laughs> yes. loved the process, uh-huh. but I had a goal in mind of being a peaceful person who, who went into parasympathetic nervous system mode immediately, right, very right. fluid and easygoing, and I thought that would be me, and it wasn't. And finally, after decades of doing that, I realized, I was never going to get there that way mm-hmm. because I kept positing it as a goal. Just like when I lose weight, I'll be happy, and when I'm fixed, I'll be happy. Uh-huh. And so I realized for me, it was about the day to day, moment to moment. And I talk about that in, in this messy, magnificent line mm-hmm. about learning how to take some conscious breath every day, right. learning how to stop complaining. I talk about that about the practice of not complaining and not not always being in a fight against reality. Uh-huh.
2: The problem for
1: me was that I'd meditate and eventually get to a calm space, let's say in a half an hour or an hour, and then I'd go and I'd be exactly the same in the rest of my life. Right. And I wanted the rest of my life to be different.
2: Uh-huh. And
1: I wanted to figure out how to do that, how to live with an ease in the rest of my life that didn't require a constant state of me being a meditator.
0: Uh-huh. Yes. And I, y- you're preaching to the choir here. I just wrote a blog recently about um, how we need to get beyond the compartmentalization of mind, body, and spirit because um, we, we tend to do things like think that we have to meditate in order to have those experiences, and it's really the integration that we're all seeking. And meditation can be a tool for that, but it's not necessarily the tool right
1: yes and i think if you love it it's wonderful Uh and i think it's a great thing to do right and if you love it and as long as you understand that you're doing it for the process of it there is no i think there's there's an agenda that many people have when they meditate and in having a an agenda and making a feat in the future someday I will get there Uh you actually negate the fact that it's possible to be there right now
0: Mm -hmm. right And, and and the flip side of that is if you are not getting to meditate you think that you can't have in your day what meditation could what meditation normally brings for you so it's it's like you know, you darned if you do, you darned if you don't.
1: I think it's good for people to know that <clears throat> what we're talking about takes, um, you know, let's say five, ten minutes a day um, of going into your body, coming out of your mind, into your body, disengaging from the crazy ant in the attic, mm-hmm. not trying to fix or get rid of Certain things about yourself. These are some of the practices that I teach people. And also asking yourself daily what's not.
0: to an end here in a minute or less um do you have some last tidbit of wisdom you'd like to share janine
1: you know more of what we said there isn't really there isn't uh, something new to add to it but the thing that i would like to say to everybody is that it's possible for you in your life this doesn't need to be a fantasy life this doesn't need to be a someday you don't have anything wrong. I believed I was damaged in my DNA somehow, uh-huh. and that it wasn't for me. It is for you. It is possible for you now, and it does take some, you know, a, a sort of flame to want that. And a couple of minutes a day, every day.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And you know what? What those couple of minutes consist of. So there are a list of touchstones in the back of the book right. that um, really are what these touchstones consist of, many of which we've talked about today.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: So do you think it's possible for us to, to go from, as you say, worrier to warrior?
1: <laughs> of course I do. <laughs> and, I, what, and what I think is possible is to notice that when you're worrying, you can turn to yourself and be kind to that. You can say, it's the Oh Sweetheart practice that I teach people. Oh Sweetheart, I see that you're worried about this. So, And it's usually an association, an impression, a memory from the past uh-huh. that you're projecting into the future. Right. You can be kind to it. You can ask yourself if it's true. You can just get real with it, but with kindness, not with judgment.
0: Mm. And I, I love the fact that you're talking about... Um, the power that comes from that sort of acceptance and vulnerability—that that's just it's such, such a great message. And yeah, you know, I wish we had another hour to talk. This is very deep, and it's this book is filled with wisdom. Again, everybody, it is called "This Messy, Magnificent Life: A Field Guide" by Janine Roth. Uh, Janine, thank you so much for joining us here today. Um, you're you're doing such important work, and I'm grateful to have had you on the show.
1: Oh, thank you
0: so much. It's been a joy. And it's been a joy to have you here, too, as well. And I look forward to talking to you again soon. Bye, everybody. Thanks so much for tuning in today. If you'd like to empower yourself to step further into your vibration of change, please visit my website at christineupchurch.com, where you can learn more about my insights, upcoming events, and private sessions.